This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Jesse, we are back from our vacation and tanned a little bit, tiny little bit, yeah. and rested. And we are excited to be doing another podcast. It feels like it's been a long time since we've done a podcast, even though it was only one week. Yeah. I mean, it feels like, well, it's, it's been over a week, but I was going to say it feels like a week. So. And we are going to be talking about foster care today because it has been officially over four months since we have had CHAMP, and we thought it would be time to give you all an update and just answer a lot of questions that we have gotten. And I'm holding Kirsten, and she has the hiccups right now. So if you're hearing little baby noises or hiccuping in the background, that would be Kirsten. So we're going to answer your questions that many of you submitted via Instagram about foster care and give you a little update there. But before we do that, let's talk about what's saving our life. And I wanted to talk about our vacation, but I'm going to tie this into what's saving our life because we did something different on this vacation than we have ever done before. And Mm -hmm. that was we packed in tubs versus suitcases or one trip when we did that 14 day road trip. Remember we packed in actual, those big gallon, not gallon. They were huge, um, oversized storage Ziploc bags. Mm -hmm. And we did that because we only brought, I think on that 14 day road trip, we only brought five outfits a person, I think. And then we stopped at the laundromat two times, um, which worked, but this time 
we didn't really want to have to mess with doing laundry, mm-hmm. but we also knew that we were going to have limited space because we were going to Arkansas to meet up with my family for our extended family annual vacation there at Bullshells Lake. And with having two babies, plus all the baby paraphernalia and bringing some extra food and fishing stuff mm-hmm. and life jackets, just the space in the car was going to kind of be tight. So we came up with the idea of having a tub that each of us would have to pack in versus a suitcase because we could stack these and it would really optimize and maximize the space. And And, and when we, we travel, we like to travel as minimalistically as possible, try to make it a challenge to pack as most of our clothes, what have you, in one little suitcase. I mean, even when we travel on planes, go long distances, we like to just use carry-ons. We don't like to check luggage. So we always look at this as a challenge. Yes. Except for when it comes to books. If we're driving, I tend to overdo it on the books. I think on some trips I've actually brought mm, upwards of 10 or more actual books. I know people say I need a Kindle, but I like real books. This time though, I actually only brought a few because Mm -hmm. I've was more realistic and because of the space issue and that worked out well because I did get a little reading done, but definitely not 10 books worth when you have babies. You just don't get quite as much reading in. But anyway, so we packed in tubs and you bought these at Walmart. They were actually fairly small tubs. I can't remember the actual dimensions. But I think the one that we ended up using for the clothes, I think it was a 15, 15 liter tub. Okay. We were able to stack three up that were a little bit above the height of our... I'm sorry. 15 quart. It was, 15, yeah. Okay. Definitely not 15 liter. That'd be okay. way too much. I was going to say 15 gallon, but it was not way that no. much. Yeah. They were small and yes, we were, were able to small. stack three up underneath each of the car seats. So that was mm-hmm. kind of the space that we had to work with. So each of, of the five of us got one, and then we put the baby stuff in one as well. And then we also brought a larger tub with food items, and we brought a larger tub that had all the baby's items like Mm -hmm. the formula and extra diapers and wipes and um, things like that. It worked out really, really well. Honestly, I feel like it was the most organized that our car has ever stayed on Mm -hmm. any road trip. Mm -hmm. And it was the most people that we had on any road trip. So that was, that was pretty exciting. So, um, I will see if I can get a link to the tubs that we used. Um, like I said, they were small, but we took it as a challenge and Caitlin got really, really, um, skilled at figuring out how to roll things up and smush things in so that we were able to get all of our clothes for, I think we were gone for eight days Mm -hmm. and seven nights in the little tub. That said, we were going on a lake trip and we were probably had minimalistic clothes anyway, you know, because we wore bathing suits a lot of, a lot of the day, had flip flops and shorts and t-shirts. Shorts and t-shirts. So, so it's not was, like we were taking winter coats. It's not also like you were going and you had to dress nicely right. or something, which in that case, the tubs wouldn't have worked that well, or we would have needed to only bring three or four outfits and do laundry or something. But that really saved our life on our trip and made things so much more organized. And it just felt good to have a system Mm -hmm. and to then just be able to follow the system. Oh, this goes here, this goes here. And I'm not usually that 
organized. Right. We sat down before we left, made a, or before we started packing even, and kind of made out a little map of the vehicle and where, where things went. So that way we'd be able to know beforehand, oh, I need to be able to get to this. So this needs to go here. And it was, it worked out really well. I feel like possibly having two babies is just forcing me to be a little bit less fly by the seat of my pants and a little bit more (laughs) organized. Maybe I'm leaning towards that Enneagram one that is not usually in my nature. What's saving your life this week, Jesse? Well, it's not just this week, but um, so for Father's Day, Silas got me a Father's Day present out of the blue and he bought me a Ridge wallet which is basically the size of a credit card and it's aircraft aluminum on either side with uh, elastic on three of the sides. And it allows you to be able to put about 16 different cards in it and has a, a clasp for cash as well. And I tell you what, it has helped so much. My, uh, I hated carrying the leather wallet with the pockets and weren't able to carry as many um, cards, whether gift cards, what have you. Plus, it made my hips tight from sitting on it, and I couldn't carry it in the front of my pocket because it was too big. So I really enjoy the minimalistic look of that wallet. Maybe also you have too many things you're trying to put in your wallet That's true. or something. Yeah. And you're getting old so that it doesn't in, work with the Insurance hips. cards and things like that, yeah. But it was really sweet of Silas. I will say this is an expensive wallet. And he had gotten a gift card, like a Visa gift card, mm-hmm. and it was a Christmas present. And he came to me. It was probably four weeks before Father's Day. And he told me, he said, I want to buy this wallet for dad. And I said, okay, how much is it? That's the saver in me is always, how much is it? And I think, well, he had found a coupon code because he is money-saving mom's child. And so he had found a coupon code and I think it was going to be $65, which I, in my saver mode, was just thinking, that is really crazy to spend on a wallet. And especially for my 11-year-old to spend (laughs) on a wallet for his father. And also... You, in the past, we've talked about this on some of the episodes, gifts can be your thing if it's something that you really wanted, mm-hmm. but it's it's hard to find that thing you really want. And so I thought, well, he already has a wallet. I don't really know that he needs a new wallet. I don't really know if he would like this wallet. It's a more unique wallet. And so I tried to talk Silas out of it uh, just because I felt like it's very expensive and what if you don't use it? Mm-hmm. And so he said... I really think he would like it. So then later on, I think it was the next day, you guys were driving somewhere and he asked you some different questions and got it out of you that you would like a new wallet. And so he came home, he said, mom, I think you would really like it. And I said, well, it's a lot of money. And he said, well, mom, if I don't use this card on this, then I'm just going to use it on something and probably spend it foolishly. So I think this is a better (laughs) expense. 
And so he made a really good case. And so over the course of a few days, he kept coming to me and he kept saying, I really want to get this. I really want to get this. And I said, okay, well, if he doesn't use it, are you going to be disappointed? If he's not super excited about it, are you going to be disappointed? We talked through all the different scenarios because I just thought, I don't know. And I don't Mm -hmm. want him to spend all this money and then it not be something that you be really excited about. And he finally, he convinced me, no, he, he really wanted to do this and he wasn't going to regret it. And he did. And I just, every time I see that wallet, it just warms my heart because I think of its little phrase, I will spend it foolishly if I don't spend it on this, but, (laughs) but just how much he loves you and cares about you that he would spend that kind of exorbitant amount of money. Um, when it's not like he has, you know, that was his, almost his full gift card Mm -hmm. on that for you because he wanted to bless you and yeah, it's been saving your life. I'm reading The Giver this week to Silas. Speaking of Silas, um, we've been reading it. It was something that he had on his summer reading list for school. And we've been reading it mostly just the two of us, but some of it has been at dinner time. And so the rest of the family has been hearing it. The girls have both read it. Jesse, you have not read it before, no. though. <laughs> I had read it in the past. And um, it's it's one of those books you want to read it with someone else because it's it's really hard to describe, but when I read it, it definitely made my top 10 uh, books of the year. And it, it basically explores what it would be like if everyone and everything was the same, if they took away all differences, but in taking away all of that, if they also took away grief and joy and what would life be like if we didn't feel those things? If basically mm. everything was just kind of meh and blah, mm-hmm. how would that affect us? And it's a really fascinating and intriguing thing to to think about how sadness and joy, how much that affects our life. And if we didn't have either of those emotions, mm-hmm. what we would experience and how life would be different. And so we're almost to the end of the book. And he has just really gotten into the story and we've had a lot of good discussions. I would say it's not a book that you would want to read aloud to younger children, but I felt like he was just kind of right on the cusp of being ready for it. And I'm so glad that we've read it together and we really want to go on. The girls want to as well and read the rest of the books in the series because there are three more books in the series that I have not read. Some people say that they love them. Some people say they didn't like them at all. Mm -hmm. Um, People have very strong feelings on these books in general. But um, again, that was The Giver, and it's by Lois Lowry, and we will put a link in the show notes to it. And I'd love to hear if you have read it, what your thoughts are on it, because I know some of you probably have some big feelings on it, just like I did. It seemed like it was, from what I've heard, the little that I've heard you reading it aloud, that it's not something that you can just read it and not think about what you're reading. You really have to kind of process what you're reading because of the the vocabulary that's used. It seems like they use descriptive language as replacement for different job titles. There's a lot of words in it that are not in our everyday vocabulary mm-hmm. because it's kind of they've created this almost utopian society, but they call it sameness. And so they have words for different things like children are called 
by their age. So it's like the sevens and the eights. And uh, so there's just a lot of things like that. Like they were calling it, it seemed what somebody was a, a doctor was like some sort of caregiver or care, uh, a taker care of her or something. It was caretaker. like really, really, yeah. was it, I, what was nurture, the, a nurturer? That's they what it have was. Caretaker of the old, I think is what it's called. They have a lot of different, yes, uh, for, for jobs and for that type of thing they do have because they run their society very differently. What have you been reading, Jesse? Well, what I was really hoping on this trip to have finished the Brad Thor book was starting to get into it a little bit. I'm probably about a quarter of the way through and haven't gotten, it's not really grabbed me yet that I can't start reading it and put it and not put it down. So typically when you've read his books, because you've read multiple books of mm-hmm. his in the past, have you gotten into them within the first 25 pages? No, I think it takes a little, little to grab a hold of me. I, I don't I think it probably doesn't help too that I'm also listening to some audiobooks on the side because I've been in the car a lot. So it's it's funny because when I'm reading one book and try to think about where I'm where I was at when I stopped reading it, I get it confused with what I was listening to because they're similar genres and um it's what happens when you listen to similar books over and over. So I just have to say You've changed a lot since we've started this I podcast. Yeah. In the beginning, you would have one book that you would read for, I don't even know, three months or something to finish mm-hmm. it. And now you have multiple books going at once. I think mm-hmm. you are reading and listening to more books than me at this rate. I'm impressed. Thank you. All right. So we said we're going to tackle the topic of foster care. And I did want to mention that we have already done an episode on this. So that was more of a foundational episode where we addressed kind of what it was like to do all of our preparation, the training, the home study. And we also talked about why we became foster parents in the first place and the story for that. So if you're interested in the why behind why we're fostering, if you're interested in what you have to do in the state of Tennessee to become foster parents, we have a lot of those details in that episode that we will link in the show notes. But in this episode, we want to kind of piggyback off of that and talk more about where we're at now because it's our first time to have a long-term placement. We had We've had five children in our home since we were um, licensed, which happened the end of fall. Mm-hmm. I believe we About got, November, I, I think. think something around then that we got our license and we've had, um, so we had four, three, a uh, sibling group of three that we had for 11 days, I think. And yeah, then it was we just did, short of two weeks. We did a, we did respite care for another nine-year-old girl who turned 10 when we had her for a week. And then, um, champ has been our first long-term placement. And we've had him, we brought him home March 25th. So as of this recording, it's been over four months that we've had him. And we also um, were kind of part of his journey for a few weeks in the NICU before he got released. So we just wanted to answer a lot of questions that people have sent in about that specific situation and then some about foster care in general as we've done it for more of a, we have a little bit more experience under our belt to talk about it. So I just want to go through these questions. First off, 
Someone asked, talk to me honestly about getting your home ready. What did it take? What surprised you? So we addressed this some on the Mm -hmm. last episode, but I just, I thought this is an important topic because so many people, I think just the thought of even stepping into foster care can be so overwhelming because it feels like, well, what do I need to have? So many people assume you need to be wealthy Mm -hmm. and that's not the case at all. At least in Tennessee, the only thing that they require is that you show them that you can take care of your own expenses. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to be taking on another child if you are not able to live on what you already make. Right. A lot of people assume that you need to have an extra bedroom for every child that you bring in. That is not the case Mm -hmm. um, unless you are bringing in a teen in Tennessee, typically if you have, if you're fostering a teen, they will require you to have a separate bedroom. Mm-hmm. But for instance, um, Champ is in our room and Kirsten is also in our room. And that is totally okay by the Tennessee standards when they came and checked our home out. As he grows older, obviously he can't be in our room for long term, but mm-hmm. with being a baby, they actually encourage the babies to be in the foster parents' room Um in some type of crib or bassinet, depending mm-hmm. upon their age. It helps with bonding. Yes, it's really helpful, especially if they've been in the NICU. That can be um, something that is just really helpful with bonding. So I just I think it's important for you to realize that you don't have to have a bunch of extra space or extra wiggle room in your budget to be able to foster. But you do need to have your home very child-proofed. Mm-hmm. And I think we probably talked about how we had to lock up a lot of things. Um, if we had a child who was older than a baby, we would need to have most of the things locked up. For instance, um, certain hygiene products, obviously all the medicines, obviously um, anything that could be potentially dangerous, even things like laundry detergent. In some Mm -hmm. cases, you're going to have to have all your kitchen knives locked up, things like that. So it is somewhat dependent upon the situation, but they want, in order to be able to to pass your home study, you have to show that you can have all of those things locked up. So you have space and locks. So you have designated cupboards and areas of your home that you lock up. um, If you are to bring in a child that is not a baby or is a certain age, that it would be dangerous. You Mm -hmm. also have to have outlet covers and lots of little things like the blinds on our windows. We have little hooks so that you put the cords on the hooks so that Mm -hmm. the cords aren't hanging down, things like that. So they look for a lot of things. And they also look to make sure that you have a bed or a crib or bunk beds um, that are extra that no one is using in your home and that you have space in a closet that Mm -hmm. the child could put their things, stuff like that. Um, So it is, it was a lot of work to get our home ready, but once we got it, you know, installed those locks and got those things ready, then it's very easy to maintain because they come and check regularly to make sure everything is maintained. And it's not like we have to do really anything on Mm -hmm. an ongoing basis. Another question, how long after you started the process of signing up to foster, did you actually begin fostering? I think, didn't we start in June or July? Actually, we started, I believe that our initial class, I think it was more May. It was around the, okay. we went to the initial introduction class, which I would encourage anyone who is considering fostering, check with your local state 
foster organization, usually it's, you can just search how to foster and then your state name. And they usually have introduction classes that there's no commitment. You just go and they will explain what you need to know. So mm-hmm. we went to that initial class, I believe it was in May. And then I think June and July, we had eight weeks of intensive classes. Mm-hmm. And then we did our home study in August, September. And yes, then, and then got approval, I think, in October. It went by pretty quickly, especially from, from talking to people, the whole process. Because we came up with the decision that we wanted to go this route pretty soon before going to the class. Because mm-hmm. you, you had looked and saw, well, there's actually a class. That's like in two, pretty, starting in two weeks in or two something. Weeks that's, that's local. And that is rare. Mm-hmm. And so we would have, if we wanted to go local, we would have had to wait probably another six months or so. They have a lot of classes, but they would be in a town that might be 45 minutes or an hour Mm -hmm. away or something like that. But then also the approval process went very quickly. Yes. Faster than we expected Mm -hmm. for it to. Um, And so we started, I'm, I could look back for sure, but I think it was around May. And then we, we took in the sibling group of three early December. It was right after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And we started getting our first, calls right before Thanksgiving, I believe. Mm -hmm. Do you have an idea of how long you will have CHAMP for? No. That's the question that everyone asks, and no, we don't know. Someone else asked, how do you help keep CHAMP's mom in the loop? Do you make any extra efforts? Make any extra efforts? No, but we do make efforts, and it's just really... It's part of the process, and it's something we are very glad to do. And to, um, I mean, we almost view it as working together mm-hmm. for his benefit. And I think that's one thing when we went through the classes that they really encouraged that this is a joint effort, and your your heart should be not just to walk alongside these children and love them, but to walk alongside their parents if there are biological parents involved. And so that has really been our heart and our hope. And so it's it's been a real gift to get to know her. And we have learned so much from her. And mm-hmm. and um, there's more that I could say, but I we always want to respect her story and, um, you know, Champ's story and just give them privacy. But we'll say that um, we do get to have quite a bit of interaction with her because he's a baby, especially, and because some of the visitation is held via Zoom. And then she's also involved in um, some of his appointments and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So I would say that one way we try to always communicate, Mm over-communicate anytime there is a doctor's appointment or therapy or we're meeting with someone about him to always communicate all of those details mm-hmm. to our caseworker so that she can pass it on to his mom. And um, we try to regularly send pictures and just really honor and respect her um, in everything as much as we possibly know how, mm-hmm. um, what, what would be her wishes and asking her for just her input and letting her know that she is very valuable and she is just as much of a team player in this and that we're all in this together for mm-hmm. his success and his well-being. Yeah, and then I try to schedule appointments based upon what works for her schedule as well as ours. 
So just like you said, to make sure that she feels like a valued member of the team. Another question, how do you handle the unknown of how long the children will be with you? Throughout this whole process, you have to learn to roll with the punches Mm -hmm. and you have to be able to be flexible and honestly, just trust God with that, Mm -hmm. you know, and realize that he has a certain period of time that we're to take care of him and we need to take full advantage of the, the moments that we have. I read somewhere, it was another foster mom talking about just all we know that we have is today. Mm -hmm. And so love well and love fully and love wholeheartedly today. And I think it's been really helpful for me to just think of, we don't know how much time we have in any relationship. Mm -hmm. And with our children, you know, our biological children, we don't know. And sometimes I think we feel like we have a lot more control than we actually do. Mm -hmm. And so fostering has just helped me to realize that, you know, all we have is today. Let's make the most of today. And we can plan somewhat for the future, but hold all things really loosely Mm -hmm. and and open-handedly and just pray and trust God. And our prayer for Champ is that he would be safe and that we would love him well when he's in our home. Our, Our desire is to just love him as our own on his mama's behalf as long as he's in our home. How do you prepare your hearts for potentially saying goodbye to Champ? Honestly, I think that it just go, it goes hand in hand with holding everything loosely. That's really how you prepare your hearts is in realizing, you know what? It might be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And to prepare your hearts by taking advantage of today. Mm-hmm. I think for me, knowing that we don't know. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that I know. So taking lots of pictures and just trying to cherish the moments and love well and not take any day for granted and just pour into him. But also, I think, to love him as our own, but to hold our hands mm-hmm. open because we want ultimately what is best for him. And we don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. So we are just trusting God and entrusting him to God. Where do children end up if a foster family isn't available? This is one that I wanted to answer this question because I think it's really important. And I, I did not know until we started pursuing foster care that there are thousands of children in need of homes and that there are many, many children who spend the night in the DCS office on a DCS worker's couch because there is not a home that can take them. And they have called and called and called and haven't found a home that has a bed open mm-hmm. or haven't found a family that has will is willing to say yes. And now, so sometimes they do have temporary placements that, you know, for like a for a one or two night stint while they're looking for a permanent placement. Uh, And that's similar to what, when we took in the sibling group of three, Mm -hmm. they, they just needed a place to stay. And we knew that if that, when we said yes, it was allowing them to have beds to sleep in versus sleeping on the couch at the DCS worker's office, because that's where they were going to Mm -hmm. be. And so that was one of those where we knew we couldn't do three and those ages specifically with the needs that were there 
long-term, but Mm -hmm. we could do it short-term. And so there is definitely a need for that. And we will oftentimes get calls for short-term placements that they are just looking for a long-term placement. But until then, finding a home for them to be in is so much better for them to be at the office. Because especially as kids get older, they start to realize, you know, they can actually a lot of times hear those phone calls being made and they will hear that their story is being told over and over and over again. And they know that people are saying no and, Mm. and think of being a child and hearing that no one wants you, no one's saying yes to you. And, and so I think that it's important for them to, you know, even though being kind of bounced around from home to home, you know, that's not really a healthy thing. It's better for them to be in a home than to not have anywhere to go and to know no one said yes to me today. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have asked this question. Do you hope to adopt from foster care, whether it be champ or another child? Well, that's something we've talked about that it is, if that opportunity comes and it's a the right circumstance, we are open to doing that. Definitely. And one of the things that I guess in some states or in some situations, there's foster to adopt. In the state of Tennessee, when you're working with the state through their foster care system right now, there is not foster to adopt. Um, But it is fairly common that it will end up in adoption because something will happen to the biological parents or they won't be in a position to be able to take the child back. Mm -hmm. And so that is a fairly common thing, but that is not the goal is reunification. Mm -hmm. But sometimes reunification isn't possible. And when that's the case, then adoption becomes an option. They do have in Tennessee where you have to have a successful placement or six plus months in your home before they would even consider you for adoption. So I appreciate that because it kind of, you don't want to rush into that because that is a very long-term sort of thing. Um, And so making sure that it's a success and that the child is thriving before they would go down that road. Mm -hmm. This is a great question. What has surprised you the most? I don't feel like for me, there have been a lot of surprises other than, I think especially with Champ, he's had a lot of more medical appointments and therapy appointments and just overall appointments and phone calls and Zoom meetings Mm -hmm. than I expected. And it's pretty much, it's pretty common that he has an appointment or a Zoom meeting or a visitation or a therapy session almost every single day. And so it is a bigger commitment then I think initially I, you know, thought, oh, there's probably going to be a few per month or something. Um, that's not always the case, but it's fairly common that sometimes they will need therapy. They will need, you know, either physical therapy, occupational therapy, or they might need um, some type of counseling or mm-hmm. they're going to need extra tutoring or that sort of thing. So it's fairly common from what I've heard from talking to other foster parents. Um, And then also just because you're working with the state, there are a lot of people that you have to involve. And so Mm -hmm. many times we will be having meetings for, for instance, with therapy, there's the developmental therapist, and then you're meeting with the person who is over all of the therapy. And then you're meeting with the individual occupational therapist. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of 
a lot more people involved. Um, but you know, with, for us, our heart is always, we want to treat him just as we would treat our biological child. And so we want to do everything we can to give him the best start in life, which means that yes, there are more doctor's appointments and more therapy. And there's some of it that we could opt out of, but we wouldn't opt out of it for a biological child. So we don't want to opt out of it for a foster child. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I think that was because when when I practiced, I did not practice in this area. One one thing that is su- surprised to me is how many people are involved. But with all these individuals that are involved, how little say that you as a foster parent has mm-hmm. in what goes on with the situation. Mm-hmm. You're there. You're you're protecting. You're caring for the child in need, but other people are calling the shots. Yes. And when I really think about what has surprised me the most, honestly, I think, yes, the extra appointments, that was something that I didn't really know was going to be the case. But I think I didn't know how easy it would be for me to love a child like my own that I didn't birth. Mm -hmm. And I think that Champ, just the love that I, I just fell in love with him and there is, you know, people say, do you, do you love him differently than you love Kirsten? And I think, yeah, there's, there's a different kind of love just because he is in foster care. And so we advocate for him more because we feel a high sense of responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. But the love, the level of love in my heart is truly the same. And I'm just, I didn't ever know what that was like. And I think of all these parents who are, you know, have adopted and how I see how you just fall in love and there's, there's no difference, you know? And, mm-hmm. and even earlier I said something, I called him foster child um, when I was distinguishing between our biological child versus, but I don't like to use the word right. foster child. I don't ever want to actually use that except in a context like that, because I feel like he's just a child. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, there's not a label that you put. I feel like that putting foster child, putting that label on like leading with that. He's just a sweet, sweet, smart, adorable little boy who has captured our hearts. Mm -hmm. And we have learned so much. We've grown so much and it is such a gift to have him in our home. And I just can't imagine the last six months without him, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's not been quite six months, but. Um, it, well, you say six months. He just turned six months today. Yes. And so I feel like, you know, I just, the world is a better place. Our home, we are all better for having been a part of his life. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how long we will be a part of his life. We don't know what the future holds, but it has been such a gift and we will never be the same. Mm-hmm because of having him in our home. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 